0: You're listening to episode 153 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I'm always learning new things from our guests, but today's guest taught me so dang much. I know you're going to learn a thing or two as well. Over the last six years, Jeremy Newsom has built a reputation as one of the foremost pioneers in fiscal therapy. His drive for helping communities, families, and individuals grow their financial literacy is second to none. Jeremy was able to create and launch a company called Real Life Trading back in November of 2014. This starting point has allowed him to assist and enrich tens of thousands of lives while also growing the company organically to a seven-figure business. Jeremy has a really awesome story about his passion and where it stemmed from. I can't wait to share the conversation with you. Just make a little note that we were having some audio issues. I don't know. Zoom was doing its thing. I think now that all the kids are back to school, the internet just likes to be wonky when it wants to, but I promise you that the tips and all of the wisdom that Jeremy drops in this episode outweigh any audio error that could possibly come up. I promise you, but before I introduce you to Jeremy, I just wanted to remind you about the MindBizLife favorite section on the MindBizLife.com website. Within the section, you'll find links to my favorite products and services, and you'll even receive certain promos or bonuses when you use my specific links. Now, I had a podcast listener reach out to me and ask about some of my favorite products such as books or oracle cards, so I've recently added a section for these favorites as well. Just head over to mindbizlife.com and select the Mind Biz Life favorite section. All right, enough of that. Let's dive into this conversation and meet Jeremy. You know what to do. Tune in. Turn it up. Let's go. You're listening to Master
1: Your Mind, Business, and Life. Come conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your
0: host, Lauren Smith. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. I'm pumped that you're joining me today because I am ready for you to school me on a thing or two.
1: Yeah, Lauren Smith. I'm so excited to be here as well. I've been looking forward to this for weeks.
0: Oh, my goodness. I am so excited because, you know, when I read your website, you have really really cool story about that little little time that you sold blackberries and we're not talking about the phone we're talking about actual blackberries and it gave me a great glimpse into the way that you think so would you mind sharing that story with our audience as well as anything else from your journey that got you to this point in life
1: yeah absolutely I mean I really appreciate you looking into that um the the story is it's a humble one. I mean, it's because I just had no idea how anything worked. But back in 1994, the movie Forrest Gump came out and I really related to the character. I liked the movie. I was watching the movie for my first time. And my dad um, was watching with me. So about 78 percent of the way through the movie, Forrest Gump says that Lieutenant Dan invested in a fruit company and they didn't have to worry about money anymore. And that was such a, I've never heard that phrase. I mean, I had a great childhood. We were just a little bit poor. Right. I'd never heard the phrase, I don't have to worry about money anymore. So I asked my dad, what was investing, it was the fruit company. And long story short, he told me a little bit about Apple and, uh, you know, what the stock market was. And I was like, well, you need to do that. Like you need to buy some shares of Apple. And so he didn't really have the money at the time to do it. So I begged him and begged him and he said, Listen, son, if you bring me some money, I'll match it dollar for dollar, and then we'll go buy some shares. I was like, Okay, fine. So I did I was six at the time, I didn't really have a lot of resources, and so I just went and, like you said, picked blackberries from the bush and just sold them door to door for a dollar a bag and made like fifteen hundred bucks in the summer of nineteen ninety four selling blackberries. Sounds like a Brian Adams song.
0: <laughs> it really <Yeah>. does. <laughs> really? like how crazy how crazy and I just can't believe like first of all kids themselves are so damn resilient like because you're not there's no limits right like you're limitless so of course like yeah I'm just gonna go pick some blackberries and sell them for a dollar and you know make $1,500 in the summer like what (laughs) so cool yeah
1: yeah So, so that was that's how it started
0: Yeah. So from there, like, how did you continue to invest? And, you know, where did you go with your career after that?
1: Yep. So really what happened is 12 years old, we moved from Georgia to Florida and this was in 2000. So this was the height of the tech bubble back then. And so I, we sold my shares of Apple, which was dumb, but, uh, I made $12,000. And so my dad gave me that $12,000 as a 12 year old. And I was like, yep, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. And I went to college, Lauren, to learn. I got a finance degree. So I was thinking to myself, yep, if I get a finance degree at college, they're definitely going to teach me what the stock market is and how it works. And as you know, uh, (laughs) not
0: not
1: quite. Uh, So as I was going through school, I worked at an insurance company. And the insurance company, I, I had a 401k and i just really didn't know anything about the 401k i was contributing to it because people told me to do that so i was just contributing to it and then one day i talked to one of my bosses and just started asking a lot of questions about 401ks and he showed me that he does trade the stock market a little bit and he kind of gave me some insights on some things and so that was about 19 years old so between the age of 6 and 19 i didn't really know or learn or study anything and then at 19 i just kind of dove in learning what's inside of a 401k like learning about mutual funds and investments and retirement and compounding growth and dividends and just really studying it from books and from asking my boss at the time how to do it and that's really what i love about your show and your podcast lauren is that you're not afraid to ask people's questions because that's how we learn we have to ask questions to people and that's what i did is i just have no fear of asking or or sounding or sounding stupid. So I just asked every question I could to my boss. His name was Rob and I learned a lot.
0: Yeah. I love that because, you know, it's so funny when, when you get this, you know, corporate job or your first job and you have this 401k, this is not something that we're told about in high school or, or even you're just like, okay, yeah, I'll put my money in here. Exactly. what You said blindly doing it because that's what we're told to do, but understanding it is part of our responsibility, but not one that typically at 19 years old we're very conscious of knowing like hey you should learn more about this and hey you have take take the initiative to do so
1: yeah exactly i don't think i would have if it wasn't for apple like that initial uh, <laughs> yeah you know?
0: if you didn't make 12 12 grand at 12 years old yeah probably wouldn't have
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: so i think like my big question and it's probably always everyone's is how do you know what to invest in
1: Ooh, that is a good question and really it's not as insanely complicated as it sounds what a lot of people do is they come up with this story this movie in their mind where they're the main character and they find some random company that no one's ever heard about and they put ten thousand dollars into that company and they become a millionaire That's the story that a lot of people have in their mind of like how the stock market works. But you can make so much money, Lauren, just off of buying stuff that you know exactly how that company makes money. It doesn't have to be a special, insane, weird, crazy company. For example, Lauren, do you know what Etsy is?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Okay. Yeah, of course you do. Did you know that (laughs) Etsy... is up 500% so you have Etsy is up a massive amount Um, Wayfair I know you know what Wayfair is yeah Wayfair is up a gargantuan 900% Mm. just insane like overstock is up a thousand percent Costco Walmart um, Amazon everyone in the world is using Amazon right now and so it's companies that you know you know how they work you know how they make money you probably use them on a daily or weekly basis you know, a thousand dollars into Wayfair at any point in time. And, you know, before May,
0: <laughs> yeah. you would
1: have five or six times more of your money. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Wow. So like, we don't even have to really know that much about a company. Like we could just kind of take one that we're interested in or just know that they're operating really well and just give it a go.
1: Bingo. Like Chipotle. Um, yeah. a lot of people love Chipotle and I'm more of a Mo's guy myself, but
0: oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you said it, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> I'll come out. I'll come out and it. <laughs> but, uh, but again, people love Chipotle and Chipotle, uh, one, one thing you can do Lauren for a lot of newer investors and newer traders is you don't have to be in big, big positions either. So here's an example of what I did on Chipotle, um, a year ago. So a year ago they were trading around $500 a share, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And I bought two shares, right? two, just yeah. one, two. So that cost me a thousand dollars. And then Chipotle over the course of another week and a half went up to like $600. So nothing crazy, nothing outrageous, nothing insane, but it went from 500 to 600. I had two shares. So that means I made two hundred dollars on my Doing trade, right. right? So I sold it and I used that for my retail money for the year. <laughs> you know, so it yeah. doesn't have to be anything crazy or insane. It can be a relatively simple approach. I mean, yeah, if you're about to paint your house with Sherwin Williams paint, buy some Sherwin Williams. You know, if you have right. a phone from Verizon or T-Mobile, buy some shares of Verizon or T-Mobile. If you go to Target all the time buy some shares to target, be an owner and not just a consumer.
0: Mm, that's good. I really like that because then it simplifies of trying to figure out like, Oh, who should I go for? Cause I think in my mind as that's, too many options to me feels very overwhelming. So if I'm able to just limit it to, okay, what are the last five brands that I've invested in as a consumer and start with that? It makes it feel a little bit more manageable to me.
1: Boom. That's it. And you know, it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be insane, insanely hard. Um, One of the very, very popular terms that you'll hear a lot in the stock market world is don't put all of your eggs into one basket. The thing is, (laughs) If the basket can't break, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the, so Amazon, for example, me and you both, we're not wizards or geniuses, but we know that Amazon will not be at zero in a year from now.
0: Exactly. So you could
1: put as much money as you want into Amazon and I can guarantee you, you will not lose all of your money in a year from now. It just won't happen. Amazon will not be at zero one year from now. I can guarantee that. Same thing with Tesla, same thing with Apple, with Disney, same thing with Netflix. You can put a lot of money into these companies as much money as you want, you can really just have a targeted approach. Like you mentioned, five companies. It doesn't have to be 500. It could just be five that you use, put your money into those and keep doing it over and over and over for three or four years. And you'll be massively surprised at your returns.
0: Interesting. Okay. So my next question is, where do you buy these stocks like where does someone go to start investing in yeah, this
1: such a good question and by the way you have a perfect radio voice i just got oh to- thank you i <laughs> <laughs> just up front gotta let you know that um there are something called brokers and a broker is a transaction point that allows anyone to buy and sell stock and a broker for example have you ever heard of the company charles schwab yes so charles schwab's a broker and they allow you to open up an account and put money in that account, just like a bank account. So you put in your social, date of birth, address, you know, so on and so forth. And you can literally just buy shares directly through there. Um, there's another very popular company out right now called Robinhood, and yeah. that's what a lot of people have been using over the last two or three years because it's very, very easy. And check this out, Lauren, it's also free.
0: Oh, okay. It's like my favorite
1: word. Right? So you can put in like 400 bucks and you can buy and sell stock without any commission. So it doesn't cost you any money uh, to actually make the transaction. And so you can take 400 bucks and let's say you buy, I don't know, Delta Airlines (laughs) and it goes up 10% and you sell it. You made $40 $40 from your $400 trade. So it's like, okay, cool. That could be cash flow. You know, that could be... Pizza money for the weekend, or that could be more money that you invest in later on the road, or whatever. But Robinhood is a really, really user friendly, super beginner, very basic, extremely effective broker that a lot of people can use.
0: Oh, I like it. And I like the name too. Like, it's a just, cool
1: name. It is, it
0: is. It's pretty perfect for that. And I wanted to mention that you have a book, Money Grows on Trees. And I just love the title because. I know I'm not the only person that's been told so many times throughout my life that money does not grow on trees. I
1: know. Like,
0: what? So tell us a little bit more about your book.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up, but it, it is interesting, Lauren, how many random nuances and phrases that we've learned throughout our life that are just incorrect. Yeah. And that's what this book is about. This book is about taking all of the verbiage that we've learned in our life, and bringing it down to how we learned it, where we learned it, and is it right or wrong? Mm. So the whole money doesn't grow on trees, very very popular term. Everyone knows that term. Everyone's heard that phrase, but it's so inaccurate. It's insane. I mean, every Christmas people literally spend money to buy a tree. Right. You know. Literally. I mean, it's <laughs> really. It's like what are you? What are you talking? Like people will spend money on pine cones for Christmas, like decorate their house. And pine cones grow in a tree. So you're spending money, or apples, or bananas, like. So the thing is, the point is, if you can imagine one small tiny little phrase, even though most people truly don't actually care, they don't think about it on a conscious basis, it's the subconscious that can actually believe it. And if you're sitting there as a business owner, or a podcaster, or a radio person, or let's say you work at an insurance company, or you're a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And you're sitting there and you're like, man, I would love to go on this trip to Aruba with my family for three weeks, but I don't have enough money. Yeah. The reason that anyone doesn't have enough money for anything is because of your belief system. It Mm -hmm. all comes down to belief system. If you believe that you do have the money, you just don't have it right now. Like you don't have it in your possession this exact second, but it's there somewhere. You just have to go find it and create the value to get it. That's what I bring back into the example of when I was six, I didn't have any money, but I did go create a transaction. Like I took a berry that grows on a tree and sold it to someone and that value transaction created money. And mm. the crazy part is Lauren, that $3,000 investment. Cause my dad matched 1500 bucks. He borrowed the money from my uncle, but regardless. So we took $3,000 <laughs> and bought shares of Apple in 1994. That, that investment right now would be worth around 38 million
0: damn what? like uh, insane town. crazy insane so town. crazy so crazy and and who would have thought if you didn't have picked that little blackberry that grew on a tree you're okay bush but you know yeah. like then uh, exactly money does grow on trees but i like the thought of just diving into like those limiting beliefs because yep. i think sometimes people project those beliefs on us without consciously realizing yeah. that they do it like yeah. Yeah, they're doing it all the time. So, what are some of those common money mindset blocks that you hear a lot, or that people struggle with often?
1: Oh, this is a good one. So, one that I love is um, the love of money is the root of all evil. Because the problem is that's biblical, mm. right? That's in scripture, and so right. a lot of people when they they really, really, really subscribe to to, uh, to the Christian text. They will, they will forget one main word in that sentence, Lauren. Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Because a, a lot of people go, the love of money is evil. And so they, th- they, they think in order for me to love money, which let's face it, everyone does, everyone loves money, but very few people will admit it because no one wants to admit being an evil person. The challenge in that is simply when you have a root of something, you get to decide how it grows. So if you're going to be an evil person, you must love money. It's a factor. Like you have to do it. If you're going to be truly evil, you have to love money. But it doesn't have to be an evil outcome. You can love money and not be an evil person because you get to decide how your tree grows. You get to decide what root system takes place. Do you have a tree that grows of abundance and love and prosperity and you give apples and oranges to all the kids in the world that need them? Or do you hoard them all for yourself? Right. And so that's a, that's a huge one that people can really, really dive into and have a, have a good time with. And that's in chapter two of the book. Um, another one is how much money do you feel you deserve? Ooh. Yeah. Because I, it took me a very long time to feel that I actually deserved any money because as you'll likely have heard this many times, Lauren, I only make money if I work really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. really though? Like, what if, what if I just am exceptional at one super, super, super small thing, like throwing a football Yeah, and I get paid millions of dollars?
0: Damn, if that isn't true though. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I mean, that, that's the point. It's just like, well, ladies and gentlemen, listen up. Like, you don't have to work hard for money. You have to be really skilled at something for money. I mean, Michael Phelps swims really fast. <laughs> you know Usain Bolt runs quickly. like you don't have to be insanely amazing at everything and work really, really hard. You have to really be skilled at a thing, and you can make a lot of money at that thing,
0: yeah, i like I like thinking about that as well because making money, like being hard. I've always thought that too, of like, if you're not working hard, that I think that was like another one of my beliefs as well. It's like, if you're not working hard, if work feels easy, then it's almost like an oxymoron to me. Like I would, I remember like when I had this, the corporate job, I would work myself to death. It felt like, and I was barely making any money. And then I was like, I know that there's more to life than this, than yep. to get this very small return for all the energy that I'm putting out. It just didn't feel very, I don't know, fulfilling, right, on, on so many different levels. So then when I quit, I realized, you know, first of all, you get to set your own worth then. Like, what is my yep. time worth? Uh-huh. And I remember the very first time I priced my worth very, very low, and I then – on to a whole heap of things. Right. But let's just say I was selling one service for a hundred dollars. I was like doing the most insane things for those hundred bucks. And then a couple years <laughs> later, once I realized, you know, like how much value I am adding, um, and how much experience I have, I take that same exact package and flip it for $1,200. And I'm like, okay. Money can be easy. Right. So like sometimes it was like, huh, like how fast can I sell this? How how many people will buy it? How many people think I'm smart enough? And I just found myself in this like rotating exhaustion of limiting beliefs around this crazy story that I had made up not only from myself, but from so many people's versions of what they think I should be doing, what they think it should be priced at. That's exhausting to break out of.
1: It is. Oh, you are on fire. That, oh. <laughs> was, that was powerful right there. And no, you're 100% correct. And if you do get a chance, you would love this book because it's it's all, it, it's that. Pretty much what yeah. you mentioned just there is like how to price yourself, how to come up with your figures, how to come up with your numbers. Like what, how much do you deserve? Because right, at some point, there comes that an equitable balance where you go, wait a minute, I'm doing so much. and there are people out there who are willing to pay for this thing because I mean, let's face it. You and I are not going to buy a car for a hundred dollars. Right. You know, it wouldn't be a good, we know that it wouldn't be a great car. <laughs> so it wouldn't last very long. It's just one of those things where it's like, there are, there is certain value that people have to pay for something at a certain time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of like value, I, I saw the other day, and this was posed in a podcast group, actually, and someone was trying to talk about passive income. And they were asking someone else, you know, like, what what do you do for passive income? And I was shocked at some of these answers because to me, they're not passive at all. I mean, like, for example, one of them was starting an MLM business and I'm just like, okay, that's, that's just another stream of income. Will you break down what passive income is and maybe some examples of a passive income stream?
1: Yeah. Lauren, you're not my favorite person ever. (laughs) We're we're becoming best friends. Um, Yeah, the passive income thing is a challenge because truly, true, true, actual, legitimate passive income is extremely, extremely rare because you have one of two factors. It either comes down to time or money that you spend up front. Always, 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 always. So passive is passive later, not now. Hmm. I'll give you an example. I actually have a course on my website, uh, jeremynewson.com, and you can click on it. It's called Passive in, passive Income. And what I teach people to do, and I'll just tell your listeners, is I teach people to go to a website called Udemy and create a course and sell that course online. But yeah. the thing is Udemy does it all for you. You do the work up front. So you go in and you build all the information. So let's say, for example, Lauren, and this is just a random example. Let's say you teach a course on women speaking publicly because you're a great public okay. speaker. And you're a great speaker. So you teach women, hey ladies, here's the things you need to say. Here's 19 tips to become a better public speaker, which will get you paid more. And that's what your course is called. Right. You create that course, which by the way, this is a pretty good idea for you. But you create that course, <laughs> you put it on Udemy, so you up front spend 45 hours of work and then you're done they put you put it on the website they market it they advertise it they sell it they collect payments they do everything and so you're going to spend maybe 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 an hour a month reading emails and messages about your product mm. so that's, that's a pretty passive approach uh, for sure so really it's building something and selling it um, the second that is most popular is the stock market Because when you own a piece of stock, Lauren, you're owning a share of the company. So that's why a stock is also called share. So you're sharing ownership of that company. So if you went out and bought five shares of Tesla um, a week and a half ago, you now have 25 shares of Tesla, but you can just sit back and not do anything. Because once you make that purchase, as that stock continues to climb over the next few years, which it will, your investment will grow. And that's passive. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything for that. Your net worth is going to be slowly going up over time. The third aspect of really good passive investing and passive income is dividends. So check this out. Companies will actually pay you to own shares of their company. So Wait, what? <laughs> really? Yep, 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 yep. So for example, let's let's take Apple. Yeah, it's crazy. Cool, it's insane. So Apple, for example, let's say Apple and Microsoft the world, Lauren. They've been around for, I don't know, let's just say 20 years to keep it simple. So they've been around for 20 years. They make so much money that they go, hey guys, can we give you some of our money away?" So every three months, they'll pay you a percent of your investment in dividends. So I think right now Apple pays like 2% a year. So if you put in a million dollars, you would get $20,000 a year an extremely passive income, like you don't do wow. anything for that money at all.
0: That's crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is insane. And the companies all over do that: Adobe, Verizon, Microsoft, Johnson Johnson, Procter and Gamble, Pfizer, right? All these companies that you know of and interact with every single day. Um, so that's a very, very good term, a uh, form of passive income. I would say another one would be re- uh, real estate investing, to an extent. Mm. So this one is more capital-intensive, um, but if you buy a bunch of houses and you rent those houses out and you have a, a, a rental manager, someone to overlook it and oversee everything, you know you can make somewhere between three and 500 bucks a month relatively easy if you buy an, uh, per, per unit. So you start buying yeah. enough units and you spend $20,000 upfront and you get 500 bucks a month in perpetuity. And there, that person who's renting your house is paying off your, um, you know, your mortgage. Your
0: mortgage, and so forth, yeah. So forth.
1: But yeah, uh, real estate investing and rentals are a way to create passive income as well. And then there's a few others. I mean, you have royalties, like royalty checks. So if me and you go out and we hit a, re- a hit record, right? Or Let's do right? it. Yeah, we could. Yeah. <laughs> we could, but we we make a song. We make that song. The song goes top ten or whatever. We can get royalties for the rest of our life. That's relatively passive. But again, it requires a lot of upfront time. So it always, 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 I promise everywhere will either require upfront time or upfront capital. There's no other way to make anything passive other than those two things.
0: Those are really great tips to remember too, because I think when people think passive, it's just, oh just get some money in my bank account. I don't have to do anything. you know. And that's not always the reality because that's just not life in general for the most part. You have to make some action step. Yes,
1: Yeah, it's never reality. We can say that pretty clearly because 98% of lottery winners end up going broke within five years. Mm. If you do, if you get all the money without knowing how to handle it, manage it, create it, structure it and add to it and protect it, it'll go away.
0: Well, okay, so I think my my next question is, I probably should have asked this earlier because my brain didn't think of it in the moment, but when you have a stock, how do you then know when to sell the stock?
1: Woo, solid question. So generally, and this is a kind of a bad answer, but it's up to you. You get mm-hmm. to decide um, because you get to decide before you buy the stock what you're buying it for. Um, for example, do you want actual ownership of the company? So, for example, Tesla. Like, do you do you want to be in Tesla long term, or are you trying to create cash flow? Yeah. So when I say cash flow, like if you buy a thousand dollars of Tesla and it goes up twenty percent and you sell it, and you make two hundred bucks. Are you taking that two hundred bucks and paying off a credit card debt, uh, credit card bill? Are you paying your car payment? Like, are you buying pizza for the year? Like, what are you doing with that two hundred dollars? But it really does initially come down to that, those goals of what you're trying to achieve with it. My answer is generally for 95% of people who buy stock, when you want to sell it, don't. Oh. <laughs> Keep holding it so that it can go higher because generally you're trying to sell at a poor time. And uh, it's oftentimes better just to hold it, especially if you're already profitable. If you're already winning, just let it keep winning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, that sounds like that sounds like if you could if you could go back in time to when you sold that that stock in Apple, would you have held on to it for just a little bit longer, or maybe still held on to it today?
1: Bingo. I would have. Yeah. And the thing is that maybe maybe don't sell all of it. You know, if you oh, really yeah. really really want to sell some, just sell like half, or yeah. or quarter or something, and just. And then let the rest see what it does for another year or two. But yeah. uh, that's, that's really a great, great way, like you mentioned, to create passive income or passive net worth uh, in- increasing over time.
0: Oh, I love it. Jeremy, you are full of so many great tips. And I, know, I feel like I could just like keep talking to you and probing your brain, Please but I also want to be respective of your time. So where can our audience go to connect with you further and um, get more information on your courses and your books and everything you have to offer?
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I did actually just launch a podcast like two uh, months ago. It's called Broke to Awoke.
0: Oh, uh, heck yeah.
1: Yeah, it's me and one of my really good friends and business partners. You'll love her a lot, by the way. Her name is Brittany Turner. Um, she was on Forbes 30 under 30. Um, she's an incredibly, incredibly influential real estate developer. And it's me and her going back and forth talking about our journey. Hers in real estate, mm-hmm. mine in stocks. Mm-hmm. And everything we did right and wrong. It's a, it's a great podcast. I think you and your listeners will dig it. Um, and she's a great hero and role model for females everywhere. Love and it. um, yeah so that's that's a podcast anyone can get a hold of me and listen to our stories. I do have a website called reallifetrading dot com and I teach everyone for free. So I create all my courses and content. I give it away because I made a link stock market and I want to teach other people how to do it. and I, I don't charge for it. so people can go and listen and watch and it's really, really, really good content um, in my opinion at least so, <laughs> I would tell people to go check that out, RealLifeTrading.com. I have a website, um, JeremyNewson.com. I'm all all over Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, you know, if you you type in Jeremy with two R's.
0: Jeremy, you dropped so much truth and wisdom today. Thank you for joining me and sharing your light.
1: My pleasure, Lauren. Thank you for having me.
0: Jeremy and I were laughing before we even had our conversation because I told him that four days before our conversation – I was advised by a Vedic astrologer to build wealth through stocks and I knew nothing about investing. So if this is not a sign, I don't know what is. I guess I need to start dipping my toes into this new arena as well. I've linked Jeremy's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. I'll see you back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday. But until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.